Hello, and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, a Neo Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me as always are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 5, which is titled Good Touch, Bad Touch. The episode aired on October 30th, 1997. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago? I'm going to start us off with a bummer this week, and I'm sorry. But this is something we missed. On October 12th, country music legend John Denver died after a small plane he was piloting crashed into Monterey Bay in California. Yeah, apparently. I looked into this a little more. Apparently it's because he was trying to switch fuel mm-hmm. sources and that caused the pain, the the pain, the plane to become unbalanced mm. and then... Yeah, it, it was yeah. it was an experimental plane. Like it was not just a small plane. It was a plane that uh, he himself built. Which oh uh, really? I would not sit at a table that I myself built, much less fly a plane. So, <laughs> like, holy shit! Yeah, I did look. I did see he had over twenty seven hundred hours of flight experience. So. Oh yeah, he was a very experienced pilot. This was, this came as a huge. I do remember this happening. This is one of the first like big celebrity deaths that I remember happening and remember it being a huge shock. Um because I think it's not too long after this, maybe a year or two after this that JFK Jr. dies in a similar incident. Um and yeah, this was like a huge deal and it was it was the fuel tank thing is what did it and it was also like a design flaw because the switch to switch the fuel tanks was like over his shoulder and so he had to like turn around basically in the cockpit and try to flip this switch uh. and he didn't know, like because he was turned around and it was like just out of his reach in the seatbelt. so like while he's turned around trying to switch this switch he does not realize that in front of him his plane is in a nosedive and is headed straight for the water and so that was like and, and they said that like the plane hit the water at like an insane speed like there was nothing left like the the whole plane was obliterated so there was no chance of survival it's very very sad r.i.p john denver i guess on a happier note (laughs) the nba there's no really no great way to segue out of that one the nba hires its first ever women referees according to lizzie remember kids these refs fucking suck is a gender neutral phrase doesn't matter doesn't matter what you got going on under the ref shirt as long as you're wearing that shirt you suck Cool. The Florida Marlins defeat the Cleveland Indians 3-2 in a in game 7 of the World Series to claim their first ever commissioner's trophy. The scares continue as I know what you did last summer is still the number 1 movie in the box office and Candle in the Wind 1997/Something About the Way You Look Tonight by Elton John continues its run atop the music charts. Little tease for next week. The biggest movie of 1998 makes its film festival ne- debut next week. Biggest film of 1998. Well, technically, it's it's this year, but it absolutely dominates next year. I'm trying to think of what that at, would the, be. at the box office. I know 97 is Titanic, but I'm not sure about 98. Like off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of what that would be. Hmm, that's a good tease. Hmm. Um, as far as what else was on that evening at 8 p.m., Friends checked in with the episode The One with Joey's New Girlfriend. At 8.30, Union Square had the episode Michael's First Stand. At 9 p.m., Seinfeld had the episode The Junk Mail. And at 9.30, Veronica's Closet with the episode Veronica's First Date. This week's episode had 29.2 million viewers tuning in, down about 3 million-ish from last week. 
Um, we should also point out too that there was about a two week break between last episode and this one because of the previously mentioned World Series. NBC had the rights that year, so uh, NBC was running the World Series for the last couple of weeks. So had about a two week break. So they lost about three million viewers, but I think they're back up next week. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Jonathan Kaplan, doing his fourth out of 40 episodes over the course of the series. Uh, previous ones of his we have talked about include Random Acts, Faith, and Night Shift. This week's episode is written by David Mills, doing his first out of four episodes that he would do through 1999. Uh, he was also a producer on the show and uh, wrote and produced for series like NYPD Blue and The Wire, and unfortunately passed away in 2010. And uh, we got our previously on this week, uh, courtesy of Carrie. And we open this week's episode with, uh, ooh, a little sexy times. Not so much kissy noises. Not so much actual, like, sexy times on the screen, but the setup for sexy times. <laughs> at least as we not on our with, screen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we open with uh, Carol sipping wine and discussing a, discussing a potential clinic idea with Doug as he's setting up a video camera at the foot of the bed. And... He actually went out and rented video equipment so they can film themselves having sex. Gotta yep. love the 90s. I'd watch it. Wow. Um, <laughs> those, yeah. are two, hey, those are two beautiful people right there. But yeah, he's like, I remember you talking about this before. You had accused me of filming myself with 20-year-olds, and you said it was a fantasy of yours. It's like, okay, Doug. Okay. You honestly wouldn't <laughs> tell me you wouldn't watch a George Clooney sex tape? Especially with Juliana Margulies? Out of morbid curiosity, I might, if it was released consensually. Not yeah, obviously, and, duh. Yeah, important, like, that's important distinction. Yeah. Well, yeah. a lot of celebrity sex tapes aren't. The, sometimes they just get well, leaked. That's, so. that's what I was yeah. like the the. I think the idea of a celebrity sex tape was even sort of novel at this point because I think pretty much all you'd really, all that had happened in that arena was pretty much Pamela Anderson and um, Tommy Lee, and that was a that was a well, it's been debated over the years how consensual that was you know as far as the release goes like the the rumor for many years was that it was stolen from their home by a repair person who then released it but uh yeah you know it's just it's just one of those things that like this 10 years earlier or even five years earlier i don't think this would even be a storyline that you would have made sense in a show like this and or any show really yeah and now it's just like we're we're a cute established couple. We're flirting and we're we're being a little feisty and fun. I think they're doing a little more than flirting. <laughs> you knew what I meant. Uh, so we have Benton is working at Carla's and Reese is crying and fussing in the background while he's trying to study for an upcoming procedure that he has. And Benton picks Reese up and is walking him around and goes, "You're gonna wake up, mommy. If you wake up, mommy, she's not gonna be happy. You're gonna wake up, mommy." And he keeps saying this as he goes and he toes open the bedroom door to try and disturb Carla's <laughs> sleep so she'll take care of Reese. Real shitty move, Benton. Um, Carla doesn't stir. She's like, "Now nah, you're on your own." And then Benton and is singing and dancing with Reese, which is really cute. Finally, he's like, you want to study with your old man? You want to study with your dad? And so he sits down on the couch and starts reading the surgery manual to Reese. And it soothes him back down to being quiet immediately. How to make a J pouch. Yep. Very sweet moment. Is it the, do we think it's the vibrations that's putting Reese back? Because we know he's deaf, right? Like. I, I just had that thought. I was like, why, I was like, why would it make a difference what he's saying or would it be that soothing yeah. speech at all? Because if it was just the vibrations, then him talking to him at all. But it might have also just been the positioning or he settled. Yeah. Was he, I forget, was, is Reese deaf from birth? 
I think that I mean it's, they may yeah. not they may not know that here like even right. character wise they may not have established that or may not have realized that that's the direction they're gonna go with this um but I think it's established that he's deaf from birth yeah. I could be wrong I about thought it that. Was, I thought it was a congenital birth defect yeah I could have sworn it happened like at age like three or something I think it, like I think, that. I think that's it, what yeah it's, that, it's noticed at that point well, yeah, because that's when they realize developmentally he's not necessarily where he should be, and they're trying to pinpoint why. I'm in, I'm intrigued to see how this actually plays out going into seasons five and six with that. Yeah. But then, on the opposite end of the spectrum, not cute, we have Mark watching TV as his phone is ringing, and he refuses to answer. The machine picks up, and it's someone calling a wrong number, screaming for Lisa to come to the phone because he knows she's there. This guy clearly looking for his his girlfriend, who he thinks is sleeping around. Um, Mark picks up the phone and says, wrong number. He goes, The guy goes, you know, where's Lisa? Mark says, there is no Lisa. Pay attention, dumbass. Hangs up. The guy starts calling again. And Mark just rips his phone cord out so the phone will stop ringing. It's like, yeah, you're you're having a great day. You're totally fine, Mark. Totally We'd fine. literally rather cause damage to his apartment <laughs> than go to therapy. Oh, jeez. Uh, and then... Tonally appropriate, we're in with some bangs. Uh, I meant more Mark's violence <laughs> than the sex tape, but it does work it works, either way. It works both ways. Then we have Benton and Green run into each other at the Roach Coach, and Benton asks, like, oh, you had your kid while you were going, like, through med school and stuff. How was that for you? And Mark says it was a mistake, and he wished he hadn't done it, essentially. So real, real great, Yikes. real great, you know, coworker bonding there, shithead Mark. Um and we walk in, Doyle is then giving Mark the rundown of current patients so he can do rounds a little bit later, and that's where we leave yeah. off. And uh, Jeannie asks Mark to examine a 65-year-old abdominal pain patient. Yep. So, a sweetest, one of the sweetest recurring characters in the entire show. We get to meet Pablo for the first time. And before we get into it, who plays him? Daniel. Uh, he is played by actor Sam Vallejos, uh, who's making his first out of eight appearances through 2003 um pre or other stuff that uh, you may recognize him from includes christmas in the clouds american history x and lone star and unfortunately uh sam did pass away in 2011 but yeah pablo is the sweetest uh little latino homeless man that uh spoiler alert uh gets deported and and manages to find his way back at one point um you're right that's why i wasn't sure if we had met him yet because you and i were watching a future episode where he shows up right yeah or was that in this one yeah see pablo just shows up and it's great but <laughs> i think I it's like... i think it's in the one where like one where they uh just after lucy and carter yep you're right okay yeah yeah <laughs> but why is pablo here uh because uh because you know it's time for his weekly bath mm-hmm. and normally Hale gives him his weekly bath and but Hale is not here because she called in sick and carol asks him to come back tomorrow and if he wants to see Hale and he doesn't he doesn't quite fully understand, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see. We'll see more of him as the episode goes on. <laughs> the whole it's Thursday. Where's Hale thing? Which actually makes for kind of a little bit of an inside joke because Hale is also out because Yvette Freeman is off working on another show uh, called Working, another NBC sitcom that starred Fred Savage. Um, and she never, she doesn't go complete, she doesn't completely leave ER at this point. Um, but she does, her appearances become less and less frequent over the next probably season and a half to two seasons. Um, she will appear less and less frequently because she was a series regular on the other show. So 
she was getting ostensibly more camera time and probably more money to do that. Um, So she'll still make infrequent appearances, but she won't be back full time until working is canceled in early 1999. So we won't be seeing as much Halle over the next season and a half as we have been. So. Uh, but we go from there. We see Carter and Delamico discussing uh, Carter's medical student, Ivan. He has apparently puked in traumas twice now. Great. Uh, he, Relatable. Yeah. Can't can't say that I blame him, but I'm also not trying to be a medical student. Uh, they We go from there seeing Mark getting pulled into Jeannie's uh, abdominal pain patient, a 65-year-old woman who, uh, as Mark is examining her, calls him attractive and then proceeds to move his hand up to her breast. Great. Uh, Mark is clearly uh, kind of thrown off by this. Uh, Jeannie thinks that she has a gallstone and is going to need surgery. Uh, But Mark, again, being kind of blown off or being kind of thrown off by the situation, just kind of blows her off and says, I don't have time for this and leaves. So great job, Mark. When do we get good Mark back? I know this is going on a lot longer than I remember. I know. This is going on a lot longer. My joke was going to be season eight. It's not Season, that he's... bad, but it's it's definitely gone on a lot longer than I remembered. Yeah. We're, granted, we're like, only in episode five of this right season, now. But... Like, I know we've talked about how he's going to be a shithead, but this is making me like, I really, I don't want to see Mark. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. I actively am like not liking his character to the point where I'm like, ugh, why do we have to watch his shit right now? Like, I'm just, I'm so disengaged from how much of an asshole he's being. Yeah. It really uh, it speaks to what a good actor Anthony Edwards is that he can take a character that was so likable beforehand and make him so easily hateable now. Like it's a really mm-hmm. it, it's an impressive turn on his part. And it just it makes me like question the whole Saint Mark image that you know he that he has just from the mm-hmm. whole show's run. When you look and it's like okay he's spent a sizable time of this being problematic or a douche in some way or another well this is what's happening now as we're going episode by episode you know with a week drawn out between them it's like you get to think about like oh huh yeah maybe he's not the all-star i thought he was i i hold out hope but we're gonna get there for carter too just saying drug addiction is a hell of a is a hell of a thing i almost said it it, but (laughs) maybe a little too on the nose uh, but speaking of Carter, we go back to Carter and we go over to Carter and Ivan. They are trying to uh, put a catheter in a gentleman, and Ivan's like, "Isn't this an isn't this a nurse's job?" Like really starting to get that uh, doctor superiority in there early, and Carter, you know, is trying to coax is trying to coax him away out of that habit, and uh, he says, "Grab that penis, show it who's boss." Yeah. And then so gross, he forgets to attach the bag to the calf, so the dude just starts peeing all over the floor. Yeah. Bah. Not great. Not not great. But then Cynthia, our f- favorite basket case, um, <laughs> says to Mark... Certainly not our last. <laughs> ...sees him in a terrible mood and just says, you know, who peed in your cornflakes? Which I like is a take on the colloquialism which I use, which is who pissed in your Cheerios. So, apparently, it's just a common, common saying. And I was like... Nice to know. Either that... way, don't urinate in breakfast cereal. That's that's <laughs> wasted perfectly good breakfast cereal. So I'm wondering if anybody had second banana reactions to this um to this phrase, where like as vehemently as I reacted to second banana, if they were like, who the fuck talks about peeing in cereal? I don't know. Jake didn't talk to us about it about this specific phrase. So yeah, well, I'm sure he's heard me use it by now. So it's definitely one that I shock. I heard as a kid, and you know, Jake and I obviously yeah. grew up in the same area, so I, mean, I would assume he heard it too but yeah 
listeners, peed in your cornflakes or pissed in your Cheerios? Let us know. Or don't. Please don't. Or do you um, just enjoy your breakfast cereal? Free of bodily fluids. And free of milk, you heathen. Yeah. Like I said, free of bodily fluids. Cool. I mean, technically uh, milk. Yeah, yeah. I okay. guess Anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, but then Cynthia offers to give Mark a back rub to help him relax about the lawsuit with the law family. If this was the other way around and this was like a male desk clerk doing this to a female doctor, we would be way more uncomfortable with this. I mean, we're all uncomfortable with it now because Cynthia's nuts, but like it would it would read so much creepier uh-huh. than it already does. So just want to point that out um, here. It's played more for la- like kind of like uncomfortable laughs where like I'm sure back in 97, everybody would have been like, <laughs> this girl's so thirsty. Lol. Or just thought nothing of it. Right, or thought nothing of it. Um, But then again, speaking of pee, Doug and Mark are peeing right next to each other again. No spaces in the urinals. Just no, like, mm, they're two two friends. No, no, Um, too friendly. Too friendly. Like, I love my friends. I'm not that friendly. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Peeing next to each other again. And Doug is asking about Cynthia. Like, oh, what's going on there? You know, he essentially gives the advice, "Don't, don't shit where you eat not he's like I, I don't know if you if she's crazy it's easy to get in but it's not so easy to get out like careful um and then from there we get kind of our main patient of the episode brett nicholson who is 20 years old complains of shortness of breath he said he was running along the lake and he became short of breath and it's been getting worse over the last few weeks he's an athlete at depaul yeah yeah, so, yeah. that's what he said um and as Anna is trying to listen to his breath. James keeps asking questions and Brett keeps answering them. And you can see her just getting more and more frustrated. And it's just, it's, it's a good scene. And I I appreciate James for the small comedic beats just in how much of a, I don't want to say nuisance, but just how inefficient he can be and how clueless he can be sometimes. Yeah. I think, I think nuisance is a fair, fair assessment there for sure. And uh, Brett here, the patient, is played by actor Kobe Bell, uh, who appeared in stuff like the series Burn Notice, Third Watch, also kind of, as we established, kind of in the ER shared universe, uh, and the TV series The Game. After that, we go into our first audio clip of the episode. Uh, Carol would like to bring her idea of a clinic up to Carrie. Carrie, you had a minute? Half a minute. Can I bounce an idea off you? Sure. I see a need for some kind of patient follow-up in the ER. You know, services like psych counseling. We patch these people up, throw them back out there without any help of staying well. So I was thinking about a women's and children's clinic, entirely volunteer staff. A women's and children's clinic. We could designate an exam room two or three days a week. That's an interesting idea. Hey, I'd volunteer. I'm sure lots of docs and nurses would. I'll add it to the long list of interesting ideas we could implement if we had the money. Stony Island's ER got $100,000 from the Department of Public Health for a wound check clinic. Now, if they can do Carol, it... I'm going to a budget meeting trying to see to it we don't compromise basic patient care. I'm not looking to take on any new side projects, but my door is always open. I like the imagery there that the door is always open as the door is literally closing. I was going to say, that's also the, the lovely corporate line. So Carrie is well-versed in management already. But uh, yeah, so the clinic that will eventually uh, leave, uh, that will eventually cause Doug to leave us. Oh, darn. Oh, darn. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
So we go from there, we see Doyle telling uh, her patient, Ernesto, that he can't leave until a surgeon comes by to look at his gunshot wound. And Ernesto here is actually making his second out of three total appearances. Apparently he was also in uh, the second episode of this season. I can't say that I remember him, but that's what IMDb tells me. So nice little bit of continuity here. He will make one more appearance. He makes a very um, like gross gesture as he goes to leave like he pulls out his own IV and so his arm starts bleeding and then he like sucks the blood out of his arm and it like smears across his face as he like winks at Doyle when he's like it's just very gross and it comes out of nowhere it's very very strange um but we go directly out of that we see Anspa Elizabeth and Benton up in surgery and we find out that uh, Benton studied the wrong portion of the procedure while he was uh, trying to get Reese to bed uh, we also find out that he's falling behind on records, needs to catch up on his dictations, and so Anspaugh basically just kicks him out of the surgery, says that uh, Corday can handle it, and off you go. So Benton's none too happy about that. Uh, but we go from there down to uh, Delamico and James evaluating Brett's x-rays. We find out that he has metastasized testicular cancer, likely um, leading to tumors in his lungs. And uh, Doug comes by, sees the the x-ray, and offers to do the follow-up testicular exam. And Anna kind of gets affronted by this and is like, you know, what, do you think I can't handle it? Uh, so we'll, we'll definitely circle back with them a little bit later. Uh, but we do get here, this is our, uh, this is our bobbing for uh, young medical student James. He looks at this x-ray, makes his uh, assessment or whatever, and then they leave him. And bye-bye forever, James. He's, he will never be seen again. <laughs> So these med students, like I mentioned it last episode, what are we doing? Yeah. Why are they like in and out in two episodes? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. They're very like hot, cold on the the med students this season. They don't seem to, it really makes me wonder if something happened with the first pair, like with the, there was a chastity and Henry clearly, clearly they liked Henry because they brought him back later. But, it, like, I wonder if, like, he got another, like, the actor got another job or something that made him unable to continue right away. And they were like, mm, we really want to bring him back, but let's put a pin in it for now. And so, like, maybe we'll try these other two. Like, it just, it does sort of seem like they're just cycling through these very, very, very quickly. So I'd love to know the backstory to that. And then one more quick hitter. We see Carol telling Cynthia to tell Pablo that Hale is not coming in today because Pablo is not getting the message. And then up next, Dale is back. Ew. No one likes him. Let's hear what let's hear what the hell he wants. Somebody called for a surgeon? Yeah, three hours ago. I called Dale. Something about a gangrenous toe? Joseph Kupchak, 49-year-old diabetic male, noticed an infection on his left baby toe two weeks ago. We put off coming in. Oh, this is why you quit surgery. So, how's the internship going? It's going great. Mr. Kupchak, I'm Dr. Edson. I'm a surgeon. I'm here to take care of this toe for you. This looks like something you could have handled. I want you to tell me if you feel this. No. I don't believe that they don't trust a first year to clip a toe. I think I clipped a couple of toes when I was a student. Feel that? No. How's Benton treating you? Oh, piece of cake. I got him handled. Hey, you know Rocket's back. Dr. Romano? Oh, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, he's letting me scrub in tomorrow. Lap Coley with a laser. Hey, did you ever work with him before you washed out of surgery? I didn't wash out, Dale. That's your story, and you're sticking to it, huh? What do you got? Headlack, MVA. Excuse me. Headlack? Gosh, golly. Feel that? What an absolute asshole. Yep. 
he does that role so well though yeah the actor is very well suited for the part and that's his toe coming off at the end the not the snip not dales but <laughs> <sighs> so carter goes off to work with the head laceration patient who was in a motor vehicle accident his name is tom um, he's got a history of high blood pressure and Carter has a hunch and asks for an abdominal CT, which Connie's like, why, why abdominal CT for high blood pressure? Like, what, what are you doing? And Carter's like, I just, let's just order one. I have an idea. And uh, Tom here is played by actor Michael Horton, who appeared in stuff like Star Trek's Insurrection and First Contact, as well as the movie Dances with Wolves. So, and we, so with those x-ray results, uh, we go back over to Anna and she's uh, doing a testicular exam on Brett. Uh, cause Yeah. Gotta, gotta figure out exactly what's going on here, even though we have a pretty good idea. And Brett's like, what the hell? I'm here for a shortness of breath. How did my testicles come into it? Which is a fair question. Yeah. It's a totally fair, totally fair question. And uh, poor kid, while during the exam, which Anna is totally professional, totally clinical about it, uh, poor kid gets an erection. Yeah, and she's really respectful about that, yeah. too. She's like, it's a normal reaction. It's totally fine. Does yeah. not try to shame him or anything like that. Doesn't sh- make it weird. Yeah, the only shame that's coming coming to Brett is from it is, inter- is internal shame. So, which shouldn't even be a thing. Yep. Um, but then Carter is telling Carrie about the head laceration patient Tom because she's curious about the CT cost. Like, why did you order an abdominal CT for a head wound patient? We can't run expensive tests based on hunches. Ah, there's the budget hunting. <laughs> Great. And so Carter is currently in the doghouse for this. We'll see how that plays out. Um, Carrie then goes over to talk to Carol and says she thinks the clinic was a great idea, apologizes for blowing her off earlier, and then gives her a bunch of grant manuals and funding guides and says, you know, great ideas happen because someone made them happen. And just is like, it's on you, Carol. Go for it. Do it if you want. If you can find us the money, we can try it. Um, so, cool. Carol's just inadvertently giving herself a second job <laughs> that's not going to pay anything. Great. And then Jeannie takes the 65-year-old lady to Carrie because she thinks it's important that the exam gets finished because Mark never came back to do it. And Carrie notes on the chart that, oh, she's a Medicaid patient. Was it Medicaid or Medicare? It could have been Medicare. I don't know. Either way, they, they Either need way, to get... Reimbursed. Yeah. One of them government funded socialist <laughs> so, healthcare policies. So that will come into play with how Mark handled it, too. Go back over. We go back again to Anna and Brett. Uh, Anna's telling Brett about the potential for cancer. And, you know, he's taking this news in a way. <laughs> like, it's. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good way. To, I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it, but it's just like. It seems like he's sort of like a little bit in shock mm-hmm. for it because he's just like, I just need a pen and a paper. I don't want to take notes on everything you're saying. It's like it doesn't hasn't quite yeah it doesn't quite hit him, and you know he keeps pressing Anna. It's like, yeah okay like what's worst case scenario? What's you know what's next steps? What's so such and such thing? And and she's like, well we really don't know until an oncologist comes and reviews reviews all the findings and whatnot but he says i don't want to wait for someone else to tell me when if you can tell me now which is a fair is a fair response 
to someone, you know, not really giving you the runaround, but like, you know, trying to avoid definitively saying, right, you have cancer and you have, you have to either under, you either have very short time to live or you have to go under, undergo extreme radiation therapy. We've seen this before with Susan with, with potential cancer patients. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was in the pilot, I believe that was in the very first episode. Yeah. It's uh, it's strange too. They they play this even not even necessarily when they're talking to the patient, but just even talking between themselves. Um, they play this kind of oddly to me because it's like they still sort of treat it as though it's, which it is treatable. Like testicular cancer is one of the more treatable forms of cancer, but a big part of that is because of how um, external that organ is and how it can be more easily caught. They've already established that the cancer has metastasized to his lungs, so that to me seems very serious. And they still sort of yeah. they still sort of treat it like it's no big deal. Like it's like, yeah, you've got cancer, but don't worry, the survival rate is X Y Z. And I'm just like, as I was watching it, I was like, I mean, I get they don't want to freak the kid out, but at the same time, like it's metastasized to his lungs. Like that seems bad, right. but yeah, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, we go out of that. We see Mark uh, napping in the uh, back room, the uh, the original exam room that he's sleeping mm-hmm. in in the pilot. Uh, napping in the back room. The door opens up and there's an attorney there uh, coming down to get him to prepare for his deposition today. Uh, we find out that the Law family is still seeking an eight-figure settlement uh, for Kenny's death. And uh, the attorney who's slightly annoyed with Mark at this point says, you know, I'll page you when they get here. Make sure you answer it this time. Great mark. Uh, but then we go out of that to probably one of the more fun <laughs> fun Benton scenes I think we've ever had. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram, you saw me post this uh, a week or two ago uh, in reference to my own editing habits. Uh, but we see Benton working on his charts, uh, singing into the dictation mic. Um, we get an actual verbal mention of Hicks again, second time in two straight episodes, I think. Uh, we're continuing to mention Dr. Hicks, even though she'll never be seen again. Uh, he is trying to find any reason not to work on these charts. Uh, there's another doctor that comes in as he's working on it, and he's got this like comically large pile of charts sitting on the, the desk in front of him, uh, so he's clearly going to be there a while. There's another doctor, though, that comes in uh, behind him who just has a single chart, just has to do this one dictation, and then he can leave, and he just talks this guy's ear off with questions like, how's it going? Like, don't Don't let him stack up like I do. Don't be like me. Like how's you got, yeah, kids? you got kids like he's like doing anything he could do to not tackle this uh and this is easily the most personable i think we've ever seen benton be maybe ever like with anyone mm-hmm. like he's just he's very relaxed here very relaxed and very like casual and i also want to note like we've said before when eric lasalle gets to goof off or go extra hard with any scenes it's always such a delight mm-hmm. like it's it's this one's so fun um but then we have Anna and Carter are eating Chinese food in the lounge and discussing the um, Brett's testicular exam. And I want to note, they have like six con- huge containers in front right? of them. Yeah. So we find out that Carter treated her to lunch and she is appalled when she finds out that he spent $30 on it and tells him to be more careful not to spend like that or he'll max out his credit cards. I, I know 1997 was a long time ago and inflation is a thing. But that's easily seventy dollars worth of Chinese food on the table there. Like, yeah, that is yeah. so yeah. much. I was like, maybe it was like maybe depending on like the size of like 
and how much food you get from a place. You could maybe say like four. Yeah. Yeah. It would probably be like a $30 with delivery and tip. Yeah. These days in a big city. It's a lot. Especially on like Wacker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then Carrie comes in and shows him that he was right about his hypertension, head laceration patient, and the CT was a good call. Yeah. He has a surgical, like a pheocytoma, mm-hmm. I think is what it's called. Yep. Thank you. And um, then our next audio clip, uh, before the meat of it, we have some talk. We have some, we have a, dis- a discussion about ding dongs <laughs> that I really want to get get your guys' opinions on. Um, oh, and I then- thought I thought penises. <laughs> no, 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 like the actual. <laughs> it's like we already did the, we penis, did the episode. penis episode. Come on. Yes, I already know your opinion. Uh, your guys' opinions on act on like you know, actual ding dongs. Yeah, <laughs> but these are these are we're talking about hostess ding dongs here. Thank so. you. <laughs> Ding dongs. Uh huh. Want bite? No, no. I'll just watch you eat it. <laughs> These are my all-time favorites. When I was in Virginia, they didn't call them ding dongs. They called them king dongs. I mean, on the package. And I'm saying, why weren't they called ding dongs in Virginia? I mean, look, what law does that violate, right? <laughs> well, I can't figure out. Maybe you can help me with this. Ding dongs, ho hos, same food, just different shape. How do they get away with that? That's right. I mean, why are they pretending that they're two different things? Ding dong ho ho conspiracy. Uh, Mark, can I see you for a minute? Sure. What's up? You saw a patient this morning, Marion Rice. A horny old lady. Medicare will reimburse 100% unless an attending has examined the patient and written out a note in detail. Mm -hmm. You walked down the middle of the exam. Ah, who told you that, Jeannie? We can no longer write scene and agree notes on Medicare patients. You didn't read the memo I sent out last month? Which memo was that? All right, what do I have to do so that we can get paid? You need to examine this patient and chart your findings in detail. If I have to examine every Medicare patient that comes in here, why do we have PAs? This is not about the PAs. All right, no problem. So, ding-dongs are the little, like, hexagons, right? Or are they hexagons or are they circular? Uh, they're mostly I'm, circular, I'm, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're circular. I'm doing a They're the ones, they're yeah, the little, like, ho- chocolate. I know ho-ho's are too. Yeah, they're the little chocolate cupcake things with the little, like, swirly white uh, line of frosting. Yeah, they're the circles. Yeah, okay. So, like, it's texture difference, wouldn't it be, between ding-dongs and ho-ho's? Like, because ho-ho's are going to have the swirl. Yeah, I mean, it, it. Versus, like, the flat texture. It's a little. So, no, maybe it's just. It's a little bit. To me, there's a, to me, there's not only a texture difference, but there is a definitive taste difference, too. Ding-dongs are fucking gross, in my opinion, and ho-ho's are. I've, I haven't had are ding-dongs in forever. Acceptable. Um, and also, too, her little uh, side thing about how it's called something different in Virginia. Like, I live, I grew up in Virginia. That's. No, that's their ding dongs. Like, <laughs> I don't know why they picked Virginia for that little regional colloquialism, but it's not, it doesn't track. Uh, and I want to note here in this scene, we get our one and only reference to the fact that it's Halloween. Uh, because if you'll remember, the air date on this is 1030. Uh, so it's technically, you know, Halloween Eve. Um, but this is not a Halloween episode by any stretch. They make no reference whatsoever, at least not not overt reference to the fact that it's Halloween in this episode, but at 2428, uh, there is a guy casually walking by in the background, otherwise dressed pretty much like an orderly. Like he's wearing like a scrub top and a jacket, uh, walking by and he's got devil horns on. And that's the only, pretty much the only reference I can find to the fact that it is Halloween. So maybe it's cause the episode was airing on devil's night. So they snuck the little thing. Is in. that what the 30th of October is called? Is that a Michigan thing? I, that's, I think that's. I think, a, that, I think we've discovered that that's a Michigan thing. Just just in the 
10 seconds it took for you to say that sentence. Also, you got to love uh, government bureaucracy. If it's what they need to do to get paid, it's obviously what they should do. But I don't know. Yeah. Seems kind of weird. Well, that and his whole, if I had to do it for every freaking, you know, patient that comes in, it's like, yeah, it's your job. Yeah, that seems to be his go to philosophy. Dumbass. Really. Like last episode, he was like, well, if I had to drug test every, or no, what, not drug test, pre- uh, pregnancy test every, uh, every woman, every female yeah. crackhead that comes through here, it's like, okay, dude, like, you don't have to work here. Yeah. Right. Like, seriously. Get some goddamn therapy, Mark. We miss you. I'm so glad <laughs> Carrie stands up to him, though. I know. Carol is working at the admit desk with all the grant guides and stuff, and some of the nurses come by and, you know, ask what she's working on. So she's clearly just digging in, trying to make sense of them. And Carter's FIO patient, um, surgery still hasn't been down to consult with him, when all of a sudden... Rocket Romano shows up. We've been waiting for this. (laughs) Like, this was one of the things we were so excited for about season four. Primary antagonist for the next six years has arrived. Yes. We love to hate him, and he's off to a great start this episode with just some really nice microaggressions in here. Hits the ground running. And uh, Romano here, of course, is played by actor Paul McCrane, uh, who you may recognize from stuff like the movie Fame, Robocop, and The Blob, making his first out of 126 appearances through 2003 as a regular cast member. Uh, and he will, of course, make one memorable cameo appearance in 2008. So was this um? So he was on for like a third of the show. Yeah, yeah. It, it, which is crazy. Like when you think about where we're at, like we're in the space of five episodes, we've introduced two characters who will be with us for the better part of the next, like third of the show, basically him and Elizabeth. Yeah. Like they will be with us yeah. for pretty much the next big, like chunk of the show. So here's, here's a weird thing. Is he on more episodes than like, um, Juliana Margulies and George Clooney? Uh, it's, it's I possible. Know. I would have to go back and look at the cast list, but, yeah. um, you'd be surprised. Like, You'd be surprised going through yeah. there how few episodes some of your, like, especially now where we your are in people. these early seasons. Um, yeah, you'd be surprised how few episodes some of the, like, people you think of when you think of ER were actually in, other than Carter, obviously. Like Susan. Yeah, Susan is a good example. Like, Susan's in, in, she's pretty low down the list. Now, granted, she went away for a good five years, uh, but... Yeah, it's it's pretty shocking to me, and especially when you think about Carol too. Like, Carol didn't really get elevated to a full full fledged cast member until about halfway through season one, and mm-hmm. so like even some of her early days on the show, it's like she's not in every single episode. Like, it's right. pretty much Carter and occasion like Green for the most part, like that are there all the time, um, right for every single episode. So. And we see Carrie a lot more as the seasons go on. Yeah, Carrie um, Carrie must have – her appearances must really start picking up around now because if you'll recall, she starts in uh, season two, episode one, and then mm-hmm. she, her appearances are very infrequent in season two. Like she's not around very much mm-hmm. at all that season, um, which was kind of a surprise to us at the time. So for her to be second only to Carter, it's like, man, you must have really packed in the appearances later on down the road. Also, I vote we watch uh, RoboCop for one of our movie reviews. Such a good movie. I've never seen it. I'm in. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Such a good movie. I will will consent to RoboCop for one of our movies. I love me some Paul Verhoeven, though. He does does that movie, right? Arguably his best. 
better than Star- Starship Troopers, really. It's it's like it's a different kind of movie, but it's like it has it has all of the stuff that Starship Troopers has, and then also has a little something extra. Like I just I, I really like okay. RoboCop. Okay, I look forward to it. Uh, but for now, let's go into our next audio clip. Uh, Benton is still down in records, and Elizabeth has brought him a little treat. I brought you some tea. This will be me in a month's time, then you can return the favor. How did the proctocolectomy go? Oh, my ileal anal pouch drew rave reviews. Listen, you've not worked with Dr. Romano, have you? Rocket Romano? No, he's never here. Ten months out of the year, he's in Europe. Well, he's performing an operation tomorrow with an extraordinary device, the ESOP 2000. Are you interested in robotics? No. I can get you in on the team. The ESOP's a robotic arm with a camera. Rocket will be directing it with a microphone headset, like Madonna or whoever. Fascinating. Uh, how could you get me on a team? Oh, Rocket's sponsoring my BTA. BTA? Been to America. In order to come here, I needed a sponsor. And now you want to broaden my surgical horizons, huh? You really should get to know him, Peter. No, no, I, um... My plate's full. Thank you. All right. I'll let you get back to your beauty sleep then. Two things about this. First off, basically Romano's just playing a uh, super advanced version of what's that game for the N64 with Pikachu? What was it called? Let's go Pikachu. Or no. Or no. Hey You Pikachu, that's what it is. Hey You Pikachu, yes. So Romano's just basically playing a super advanced version of Hey You Pikachu. Um, <laughs> How? He's, talking, he's giving voice oh, commands. Headset. Got yeah, it. He's okay. using a headset to give voice <laughs> commands. Oh, God. And... <sighs> it's easily the furthest any human being has ever gone to make a Hey You Pikachu joke. Like, on mic or off. I think that's the, I think that's the only <laughs> Hey You Pikachu joke that's ever been made. <laughs> Oh, come on. Tell me you didn't rent that game from Blockbuster and say, fuck you, Pikachu. I did not. Oh, okay, fine. Sorry, I just remember. I don't think I ever got to rent <laughs> that game. I just remember game. it didn't work very well, and I remember the urban legend that if you uh, said, I think, Sony or PlayStation to it, that Pikachu would get mad. That was always an urban legend that I heard. <laughs> ne- I miss never those. Never was able to check and see if that actually was, was true or not, but. I miss I miss um playground game, game mm. rumors like that. I was going to say, screw Pokemon Snap. Give me a Hey You Pikachu remake. Nope, nope. Pokemon Snap all day. One more month. Anyway, um, uh, but point say, two. But, the other, but point two is that, oh, hey, it's that one storyline that'll cause some conflict between uh, Ms. Corday and Mr. Romano dun, dun, dun. later in the season. They just love to drop these little nuggets here. Like, I feel like we've gotten at least yeah. one every episode. Like, a little just like, oh, we're not yeah. going to talk about this right now, but we're just going to leave this here. Like it's it's yeah. actually like really this, good this, storytelling. Yeah, this one this one will this one will stew for a little bit. I'm noticing and um I'm noticing that a lot like as I re-listen to the Harry Potter mm-hmm. books, there's so many things that like a book or two before it becomes relevant details, you'll hear things and you're like, "Well, shit. Mm-hmm. She did set that up really early and it's like, "Oh, if only she could have stayed not a trash human being." <sighs> But good writing, good foreshadowing. Like, they're setting it up so later they can do payoff if they yeah. want. From there, we have Anna is looking for Brett. She has lost her patient. No one has seen where he's gone. Not great. Not great at all. Um, 
And Carter is looking for the status on his FIO patient because surgery is not giving him any answers. And he's just on the phone trying to figure it out. So He wants validation, damn it. <laughs> he wants to know he did something good. And we see that Pablo is back, uh, still looking around for Hale. Uh, I think we'll we'll see him at least one more time before the end of the episode. But we go right from there to another patient of Carter's, uh, a heroin addict that uh, he, both he and Ivan are having trouble finding a vein on. And this guy uh, is very interesting, kind of throwaway patient here. A uh, guy named uh, last name Hayes, played by actor Cooper Huckabee, who appeared in stuff like the movie Gettysburg, The Fun House, and Space Cowboys. Uh, and he makes this very like, um, very gross, very graphic. Not 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 graphic, but it's just very like oogie, uh, IV tap on himself in his chest. Like it's just very like, mm. Mm, like he just goes, yeah. he just goes for it. My skin just crawls. Yeah, it's very, it's oh boy, it kind of like makes you a little woozy. Um, and but what I love about it is, you know, of course, Ivan being notoriously queasy, like he you know, immediately sort of like loses all the color in his face. And you, the thing I like about it is Carter's reaction to it, where he's immediately like both horrified and fascinated and knows that he's technically teaching and needs to like police this a little bit. So he's like, he's like, holy shit. Don't ever yeah. He's like, holy shit. And then he's like, this is incredible. And then he points at Ivan. He's like, don't you ever do this <laughs> like under any circumstances. Oh, so good. Um, but then Anna tells Doug about Brett having run away and she owns up that it may have been better for Doug to have done the exam and to discuss it with him when he comes back, if he comes back. So she's like, yep, I I screwed up. You know, I let it get the better of me. Maybe maybe a guy should have been part of this discussion. So good, good moment for Anna. Uh, and then when our EMTs are bringing in a drugged up gentleman who is thrashing about and is very violent and saying he was kidnapped and he kicks Chuni. Poor Chuni. Oh. Uh, so, you know, Mark does the very normal thing <gasps> of grabbing the guy by his large leg laceration, sticks his finger into it as the dude is screaming in pain and, and Mark is screaming at the guy to shut up. Speaking of things you should never do as a doctor. Yikes. Holy shit. Who plays this unfortunate oh, soul? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, our patient here, McNamara, is the guy's name, and he's played by actor Rick Overton, who is our high-water mark actor for this episode. He has 187 credits to his name, including the movies Willow, Groundhog Day, Beverly Hills Cop, and Mrs. Doubtfire. And a uh, little continuity note, I do want to note that the – I mean, not, not continuity in the sense of, like, they mess something up, but just, like, continuity – long-term continuity here the thing that kind of real i mean i think he would have reacted similarly had it been anybody but i did think it was sort of a nice touch of storytelling that the thing that really sets mark off in this scene is that he kicks chuni and makes her like hurts her like she's she's bleeding from the mouth like she bites her tongue and is like bleeding pretty badly from the mouth and they as they lead her away and that's the thing that sets him off in this scene uh, and I think that's a, a nice, again, nice little like touch of storytelling here because he obviously has a, a higher level of sensitivity uh, for Chuni. Uh, so good storytelling. Uh, but then we go from there. We see Carter and Ivan uh, talking about him just being ashamed of himself for, you know, his continued struggles, uh, everything. And it's kind of confiding in Carter a little bit here. What if my whole life is a wrong decision? Like Carter's stitching him up because he fainted after the 
gentleman IV'd himself in the chest. So Carter's stitching up his Ugh. head lack here, and he's like, what if my whole life is a wrong decision? And apparently he took that uh, to heart because this scene here is the last time we ever see Ivan. Ivan disappears and apparently uh, goes off to choose something other than medicine to practice. So bye, Ivan. We hardly knew you. I was going to say, my headcanon is because he looks like a Power Ranger. <laughs> like one of the, like a person you see on Power Rangers. But my headcanon is he goes off to be I a mean, Power Ranger. I mean, this is about that era of, of Power Ranger where we had uh, Adam, I think, was the, the Black Ranger at this point. Yeah. Who, uh, There's a whole bunch of other. Johnny, Johnny Young Bosch. Nondescript Asian folks. Yeah. Diversity Rangers. Yeah. Diversity Rangers. Yeah, that was the that was the follow up to the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, where they uh they it was really was the Diversity Rangers because they uh tried to flip their quasi racist thing from the original one where they made the Yellow Ranger Asian and the Black Ranger black, and then they flipped it in the next version where the Yellow Ranger was uh black and the Black Ranger was Asian. It's great. It's definitely not obvious, guys. Definitely don't shuffle that deck anymore. Like, definitely don't make it obvious that that's the only reason you changed that. It's okay. They cure racism <sighs> for an entire generation. It's fine. I, uh, look, if you want to talk about problematic faves, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers <laughs> is at the top of the list, okay? Ask, oh, ask yes. anyone I, who knows. I understand. But uh, we go from there up to the surgical floor where we see Benton apologizing to Dr. Anspaugh for not being prepared in the surgery this morning. And uh, Anspaugh kind of quasi-warns him here that, uh, you know, Dr. Corday has raised the bar considerably for surgical residents. And if we're not careful, she's going to make us all look bad. So, ooh. Yikes. And then uh, we go back down to the admit desk where Carol's still working through her uh, working through her grant applications and uh, gets the gets the lowdown on the nurse who founded the Stony Island Clinic. And I believe it's Connie who says in passing, well, it was sure she got the state funding for that because her dad's a state senator. Yep. Hmm. Well, in better news, uh, Brett came back. Yay. So Anna tells him that a male doctor is available if he wants to talk. And Brett says he doesn't really mind who talks to him. He just... He just needed to go for a walk and clear his head and um, you know, didn't think to tell a nurse about that or anything. But granted, the kid's Shock. in shock. Yeah. He's a 20-year-old going to college in a new city. Well, not new by this point. He's probably like gone there for like two years, assuming he started at 18. But still, like he's away from home, 20, gets this news. Like, yeah, I get it. But yeah, Doug, is, Doug does the good thing. He like, observes, but doesn't jump in and... Unless Anna asks, which she doesn't. Yep. And then Cynthia finds Mark down on the river walk having a smoke. She asks if she can bum one. She says she admires how he got that guy under control. Wow, your act of really unprofessional aggression was great. Good job. Um, She tells him again how she gives great back rubs. She starts massaging his back on a bench by the river and she goes, I knew you'd have a really strong back, though. And it's just, it's really gross and creepy, and I don't like it, and I don't like her, and I'm so ready for her to be gone. <laughs> and luckily, the hospital lawyer interrupts this by paging Mark, because it's time for the deposition. Mm. Based on what anecdotal information are we basing that she thinks he would have a really strong back? Mark does not strike me as the type that, you know, gives off the, no. I have a real strong back vibe. Like... <laughs> Because he's shouldering the burdens of the world. Uh, I was going to say, if you had to tell me to describe Mark uh, Mark Green's physical demeanor <laughs> in one adjective, it would be lanky. Yeah. Mine was going to be stringy. Gangly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but anyway, uh, let's go into our next audio. Carter has a uh, suggestion for Carol about her uh, clinic idea. I could never do this. What was I thinking? What would you say? 
Nothing. Still thinking about a clinic, huh? You could spend half your life trying to get this money. Yeah, if you go to the government. You should look into private foundations. Private? Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. I just want to know if Thomas Angevine is out of surgery or not. I was just on hold. I was just on hold. Private foundations? Yeah, uh, they exist pretty much to give money away. It's that or pay taxes. Do you think a private foundation would consider this clinic? <laughs> you should hear some of the nutty ideas that get pitched to my grandmother. I wait, what was it? Yeah. What do you mean nobody knows? Just go down the hall. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. Just tell me what OR they're in. Okay, thank you. Your grandmother's involved in a foundation? Yeah, yeah. I gotta go to surgery. Wait, Carter. Do you think your grandmother would consider this clinic idea? If you put something down on paper, she'd probably look at it. Yeah. So much storyline set up this episode. Right? I love it. Yeah. I love it because I love because I love Carter's grandma. Yes. Excuse you. She's the sassiest you. person ever. Gamma. Get it Excuse right. Excuse me. Use her Christian Gamma. name. Gamma. <laughs> Gamma <sighs> Carter. Uh, but yeah, I just I love I love the, this whole storyline. It's one of my fa it's one of my favorites in these are in this season and. Just, I love when we get more of a peek behind the curtain of Carter's rich boy lifestyle. Yes. Yeah, we're going to get a it's lot like, more oh, yeah, of that just a totally, This is just a totally normal thing. Like, yeah, of course my grandma. Yeah. That's really why I wanted to get that, was just world building. This is just world building, the episode. <laughs> so switching gears uh, pretty considerably. Uh, so speaking of Mark still being an asshole... Let's go hear what he has to say during a, you know, a deposition. Ugh. Have there been previous lawsuits alleging malpractice by you, Dr. Green? Yes, one. Isn't it true that in the spring of 1995, a Mrs. Jody O'Brien, a healthy 29-year-old woman, pregnant with her first child, died as a result of your misdiagnosis? No. Her medical Mark, course was... You answered the question. Following the death of Mrs. O'Brien, did you express feelings of guilt to co-workers? Not that I recall. Did you, in fact, feel guilty? Guilty? No. What word would better describe your state of mind regarding her death? Regret. Huh. Is it fair to say that this regretful feeling reflected an awareness of the quality of care you provided? No, it happens here all the time. People die, we feel horrible. Did you feel horrible after the death of Kenny Law? Hell no. Uh, Mr. Law, you're here as a courtesy. Look, we can cut this short right now. Please refrain from commenting. I put a question to you, Dr. Green. Ask it again. Did you feel horrible after Kenny Law died after being treated by you in this hospital? I felt regret, yes. Had you applied the same standard of care to Kenny Law as to the white teenager brought into the emergency room five minutes before? Yes. It's a damn lie. Oh, Miss Davis, do something Chris, about your quiet, clients, please. Lie. Be quiet. Well, you're in no position to accuse me of anything. You of all people. Dr. Green. Do you hold the life of a young black man to be of lesser value than the life of a white person? What kind of a question is that? Will you answer it? <sighs> People die. I'm human. I'm fallible. So you would characterize yourself as fallible. Don't twist my words. Let me right. ask you about your fallibility. When this young black man was brought into the ER... Oh, you want me to say that I'm a racist? Is that it? I'm a racist, all right? Does that make you feel better about almost beating me to Mark, death? Mark, sit down and Is shut up. Is that going to bring your son back? Don't you point your finger at my mother. That's it. We are taking a break. We're stopping this right now. Talking about regret. Regret. You've never expressed no regret to my mother. You belong in jail. I wish it was me who kicked your white ass. Oof. 
so much happening. Everybody does such a great job, and holy shit. Honestly, some of the legal scenes in the show are actually some of my favorite. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Like, when you put the ER docs, like, when you start to press them, and actually put them under, when they're under oath. I love when the lawyer says, like, can you shut up? <laughs> yeah. Which time? To Mark? Or to, in general. Or to... Or to, general. Or to no, yeah. in general. Just the I'm whole sure, thing. I'm sure Jake will, will have something to say about oh, that. Oh, yes. I seem to recall during his uh, season four blitz that this was one he highlighted as being particularly silly. Like, that this was definitely played up for drama, but I'm sure he'll have thoughts about it when we get to the wrap-up. Uh, let's say, out of curiosity, um, is this the last time we see Chris Law until we... Um, until no, I think there is the... one more appearance of him, um, I believe. There is, like, Mark does have his, like, reconciliation with the whole thing. Yeah, well, that's what I was wondering, like, is this it until we see him, like, in that little reconciliation, whatever... Uh, it could be. Thing next it it season? could very well be. Yeah, I know it's. I, I know I didn't mark down that it was his last appearance because we do have that for sure. But I'm not sure if there's any yeah. interim ones between there. But I found Jake's message about the disposition. Ah, deposition. 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 Not disposition. Sorry. Um, he said Mark is achieving pretty solid villain status these last two seasons, and to think I gave him the title Thunder Thighs. <laughs> most important. Followed context. by most important context. Followed by it's really weird that the family is present during the deposition. Which they seem to they seem to highlight that like they they seem to point out that like you're we let you be here as a courtesy like so it's right they, they say that it was like a unusual thing yeah well you forgot that you also followed it up with the biggest mood ever is big oof Romano yeah but that was a separate <laughs> scene so yeah which we, we will be getting to here shortly but uh, for now we go back up uh, see Carter and Scrubs uh, heading up to the surgical floor to look for his patient uh, to find out what happened. And uh, we find out that he's out of surgery. He's in the ICU now recovering. uh, And Dale is kind of debriefing the family. And the wife only seems to really care about what Dale has to say. Doesn't like Carter introduces himself and is like, I treated your husband in the ER. And she's like, oh, cool. Great. Dale, you're so wonderful. Like immediately is just like (laughs) making dull eyes at Daryl at uh, Dale. I don't know why I called him (laughs) Daryl. (laughs) Daryl. I've typed him as Daryl in the notes before. It's my fault. He literally like he couldn't in the grand scheme of things. He could not matter less as a character. So fuck it. He's Daryl or Dale. It doesn't matter. Um, So yeah, Carter, Carter tries to get his little like, he's like, oh, I, I was, I was involved too, you know? I also like a little bit of the continuity here too, that when he comes up to the surgical floor, he like gets to talk to some of mm-hmm. the like surgical staff and they're like, Oh, we miss you up here. Like we miss having you around. Like it was a c- cute yeah. little like throwaway continuity bit that, you know, couldn't, it, you could have just as easily not had it and nothing would really be different, but it was just a nice little added garnish to have it in there. It It's definitely one of those things that makes episodes like this just a little elevated. Yeah, It stands out a little bit. Uh, but we go uh, back down and we see Pablo is back once again and Carol finally gives up and decides to just take him back to clean him up herself. So we'll we'll get the resolution on Pablo here in just a few. And after that, the unstoppable force meets the immovable object as Dr. Benton is introduced to Dr. Romano. You know what, Liz? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm going to want you handling the laser tomorrow. Well, you control the ESOP 2000. Terrific. Don't act too surprised. Ah, Peter, that's fantastic. Now I get to introduce you. Peter Benton, Rocket Romano. Dr. Benton? Hey, Lizzie's talked about you. What's the pleasure? Tell me something. You think Chris Rock is funny? Excuse me? The comedian Chris Rock? Did that HBO special? Must have used the N-word 
50 times. N-word this, N-word that. They're calling him a genius. If I went around saying the N-word, you'd probably want to smack the hell out of me, am I right? I think Chris Rock is hilarious. Good to meet you. Have a good night. You're right. I like him. Oh, the battles these two will have. <laughs> to quote my co-host, big oof. Big oof. I love how he wraps it with, I like him. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's such a prick. God, he's such a fucking Cause prick. It, it, <laughs> no. But so... it, it just shows that he does it for the sake of doing right, it. Right, antagonism. Like that it's not, right, that it's not from a place of ignorance. It's from a place of antagonism, which is why Romano is such a fun douchebag to hate. He's such a perfect asshole. Right. Yeah. Because it's not like he's just an ignorant bigot. He's just he's just a jerk. Right. And it's 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 a conversation that feels all too familiar, even if you've never found yourself mm-hmm. in Benton's shoes directly. Right. Because obviously all the, the three of us are all white. We can't understand what that experience is like for a person of color to deal with those kind of like right. outward aggressions that way. But it's definitely a conversation I have borne witness to several times. Right. Of just still like, in 2021, it's happening. Fucking. And I have had the trans. And I have had the trans variation of. In my experiences. Yeah. <laughs> but just like seeing fucking you know shitty white guys like this who are just like, well, how come I can't say the n word? And just saying it like matter of factly, like you know, I- I'm just asking questions here, man. It's like that meme, you know, of like you know. The, I'm a white man in a comment section. My entire goal here is to exhaust you and not actually like it's that personified. Like he's just his entire goal is to just exhaust everyone around him. He's not actually looking to solve any problems or like serve any sort of greater purpose. He's just there to like blow hot air out into the world. And it's just hash hashtag devil's advocate. Yes. And I've met I haven't fortunately haven't come in contact with too many people that are on Romano's level to the cartoonish degree that he sometimes takes it, but I have definitely met my fair share of devil's advocate guys and they're very exhausting. And I'm just, yep. It's a lot less cute now than it was. I'm sure in 1997 when this character was introduced, I'm just looking forward to, to getting to, to getting to know him better. Although honestly, if you had to pick one audio clip, to personify him, you could just go with this, and yeah. people would be like, "Okay, I understand." Yeah, they the don't. Character. They don't really yeah. need to. There's not really the feeling out period with Romano that there is with some other characters, where you're like, "I'm not really." They haven't. They clearly haven't fully formed how how this character's going to go yet. No, they pretty much knew with Romano from day one. Like, this is how this guy's going to go. Like, they had this. They yeah. had him nailed to the wall from from go. So then we have Carol is finishing cleaning up Pablo and. He says, oh, you know, now that now that I'm all clean, Halei listens to my chest. And she was like, oh, she does? And he goes, yeah, to make sure my pneumonia doesn't come back. And he's just so sweet. And he tells Carol that he's had it, like, what, three or four times yeah. or something. So, yeah, he's he's clearly at risk being older and homeless. So Carol, of course, like, looks at him thoughtfully and is even more inspired to her clinic here because clearly people are go- falling through the cl- cracks and need these follow-up you know, I don't want to say treatments, but they need this attention. And so she just checks his, checks his lungs and just very sweet with him. And then Benton and Carter are out by the L and just having a little chat, shooting the shit. And Carter mentions something about Dale and Benton's like, oh, Dale's a weasel. Carter, you're twice the surgeon Dale will ever be. <laughs> and Carter's just like, whoa. Thanks. Yeah, the child, the almost childlike wonder that comes across Carter's face when he hears that, like he's like, "What? Can you say that again?" Like, like if only, 
if only he had gotten this validation a season ago, maybe he wouldn't have left surgery. Who knows? Um, but yeah, just really cute small talk between the two of them. Not Nothing else too much there of importance. It's just a really good scene between the two of them. Senpai has noticed him. <laughs> All right, you're on your own for this last bit. I'm done. Ah, <laughs> uh, but we're going to round out with a very serious scene uh, as Al is at the is at a bar with Jeannie. Let's listen to it. Congratulations, my man. Yeah, my luck's changing. Send over two ginger ale. You got it. <laughs> I thought it was going to be no gambling. What? It's just the bar pool. You're not going to complain now. It's 200 bucks. We just have to be careful with our money. No, don't. Don't spoil this for me, okay? Billy Nelson just came in. Give me a call. You are. Right. You talked to him since the accident? About what? drugs he has to take over the next six months and off chance I gave him HIV. I haven't talked to him. He's staring at us. I'm gonna go say something. Just drink you. Your ginger ale, okay? Well, he's your friend, Al. That's how I know. If I was in his place... Hey, Al. How'd you get it? Hey, Al, how'd you get it? In the arm? Huh? You get it through the vein or you get it through the booty? I want to know. Huh? Bill, just come over here and let's talk. Sit down, bitch. I ain't talking to you. What? What do you think you're talking to, man? That's my wife. You going to try and be a man now? Yeah, that's right. You, you shut went your somewhere and got AIDS and you gave it to your wife. Try to give it to me. Hey, out of here, fellas. Not in here. Please, take me home. Frank, get the hell out of here before I do what I feel like doing. Wait, help. What you want to do? Come on. Come on. That's what I thought. Faggot! Wait. No. Go Come out. on. Come on. Don't. Come on. Out. Don't. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. So the my biggest like the the thing I like the most about this scene is the music playing in the background yep. while all this is happening. The contrast, I love it. I love it. It's perfect. Very subtle. More of this. Uh, you know, maybe not. Maybe maybe not more of the fist fights. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but oof, like they really whip this on you at the end. Like no pun intended, but like they, yeah. they really whip this on you at the very end because they pretty much like genie has been pretty much a non-factor this episode uh, after the, the Medicaid patient at the very beginning. Yeah. Like she, she does her little thing with that pa- kind of passes it off on Carrie. And then we pretty much don't see genie again until this last scene here. Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking like, Oh, this isn't really going to be like, we're not really going to do anything with genie story this episode. And then all of a sudden at the very end, it's like, no, 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 no. We're going to, we're going to hit you. We're literally going to punch you in the gut. Like in the very last scene, like it's, it's mm, tough way to end. Yeah. That's about all I can say is just 
Wow. Heavy lifting by everyone involved. Excellently done. Fantastically shot, fantastically scored, especially with that little cue at the end there after Mm -hmm. it all settles down. I know there's only five of them, but I think this might be my favorite so far. I would agree. Yeah, it's probably... Yeah, it's probably the one that stands on its own the best uh, as far as just like, like I said, we've, it's been kind of remarkable all season long how they've managed to do the dance of like making self-contained stories that work as episodes uh, on their own, but also like, like I said, dropping those breadcrumbs along the way where we're, we're not just getting like story arc things that are that are going to pay off for this season but we're also getting stuff that's like big time like big story nuggets that are really going to pay off you know next season or even beyond uh so yeah it's just this i think is the the episode that we've had thus far that has done the best job of kind of negotiating that dance of like we're trying to make an episode that works in a vacuum but also make an episode that's going to serve the larger purpose and the larger story and this one this one does that to to great effect and once again, you take the words right out of my mouth. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. You generally, like, you. that's why I don't really say too much during these end parts is because Daniel generally says what I want to say, but just in a much better way. Yeah, it's only when we all really disagree on an episode that it gets Which doesn't happen that a often. little bit. It's, not, it's, no, it's very rare like, that we're on different most, pages. Yeah, most of the time you say it succinctly enough that it would just be... Um, I keep thinking of the wrong word. It would be gravy if we were going on yeah. about it. So. Me no words good. So Daniel words good. So what did the listeners have to say about it? Uh, well, friend of the show and theme song composer of ours, uh, Andrew E. says, this is uh, this cute, clueless, aroused wrestler. Bless his heart. As a pro. She really is. Yep. I think uh, this is my favorite performance of her so far. Yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. say, we didn't, talk, we didn't really touch on that in the, the summing up of our part but i think this is probably also the first example of them trying to feature delamico in an episode yes. and like letting yep. her kind of trying to make her the new season yeah like letting her kind of take the lead a little bit in terms of driving story um and i think it works actually pretty good even though she like we've i've said many times like she's a character who never really gets a hundred percent on track like she never 100 percent finds her footing before she's gone um but this was not a bad like it wasn't like she stumbled right out of the gate like this is not a bad first first run for her uh michelle k says i really liked how doug backed off when he saw anna had it under control and i'm sorry but mark is a goddamn asshole agreed when peter is asking for advice with hey you had your kid in med school didn't you and mark responds with yeah what a big mistake that was fuck you dude so sorry you're having such a shitty time but saying that uh, saying that about your daughter that's just crap yeah well said and Mary L says, I, w- I love Anna. Wish we had more. And oh my, Rocket was a l- racist little prick, wasn't he? All very astute observations. All right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Tone podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes. A free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Cherry and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment, as well as monthly movie reviews, where we watch a movie featuring an ER cast member, Robocop, and pick it apart. We also we would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at SayingTheTonePodcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. 
Our theme music is provided to us by friend of the show, Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Well, if y'all like how I talk and want to see me do it better, you can read my personal Twitter at lowbob92345. And you can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer, that's G-A-M three R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play series of Pokemon Shield. Uh, new episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time. Have a great week.